Hey everyone, welcome to Sound Guy Tips Podcast. Uh, I'm going to go over noise gates this week, which is, you know, kind of some basic stuff, but I still would kind of want to talk about kind of the easy ways I use them and how they can be useful in different scenarios. And I'm also going to talk about when you should use headphones when you're mixing a live show or during sound check. Uh, so let's get it going. Welcome to Sound Guy Tips. I've created this show because I am dedicated to sharing as much knowledge as I can about the world of live sound. Listen, getting into the world of live audio can certainly be intimidating, but I'm here to teach you the technical aspects, key mindsets, and how to thrive socially to stay on top of call lists, land an awesome house gig, or get yourself on retainer with a great touring band. So this is Sound Guy Tips. Now, can we cut this music out? Oh, man, I'm sick of all this inspirational crap. There we go. That's better. My name's Jonah Kay. Uh, Again, welcome to Sound Guy Tips Podcast. So last week I was talking about squelch uh for rf microphones and those uh you can go back and listen to that one but basically it's you know squelch is basically like a noise gate for antenna sensitivity um so the train of thought i had kind of continued on to regular noise gates that are in the channel strip of all digital consoles so you get a noise gate for every channel so i just wanted to kind of go into the easy ways i use them when I'm doing a house gig, so I got to mix uh, all types of different bands with maybe very little information about their sound or their skill level. So probably this entire episode is is more geared towards people who are definitely newer to mixing and haven't quite dialed in or honed in on all the different elements of the soundboard and how you can easily use them uh, in every mix. So historically... Uh, noise gates did not come with the soundboard. The only thing you got in channel strip, you know, was basically an EQ, uh, a, some aux sends knob so you can send it to different mixes, and a gain uh, for gain level, and what else would you have? Pan and phase. So there were some options, but effects like compression and gates lived outside of the soundboard and were in racks and you had to individually plug the gates and insert them into the channel then you had to like you know move to the side adjust the gate on the channel and you had to do a bunch of patching and you had a limited number of gates well if you're newer you're probably on a digital board you know right now the x32 is basically in every small venue uh or something along those lines. And a digital console like that has a gate in every channel. So there's no shortage of being able to control noise or unwanted sound uh, from a mic input. So I don't really want to spend like a whole ton of time explaining all the different components of a gate and like how to fine tune it and all this type of stuff. It's just some basic functionality to just so you know that it's always there and it's always an option to fix a problem. So the first and most basic way to use a noise gate is literally 
to get rid of noise in a channel. So for this example, let's use uh, a DI instrument. Like, say you have a bass guitar and you're running a direct line uh, XLR plugged either into, like, say, a Sans amp pedal or uh, something on the pedal board, or you have it directly plugged in to the bass head, or you have it plugged into a DI box and you're running a patch cable passing through from the bass to the head. Either way, it's all going to be from a direct XLR. And you turn up the volume and you're hearing this kind of buzz. So this could be from a, a ground lift problem. So on some bass heads, there are ground lift switches. So you can try switching it from lift to ground or ground to lift and seeing if the, the buzz goes away. Or usually those are on DI boxes as well. And sometimes that works completely and it's, it silences it. And sometimes it just makes it a little bit better. Like one's a lot worse and one's a little bit better, but there's still this buzzing sound. So this isn't really that desirable because if the band plays with a lot of dynamics and it has a lot of quiet moments at where the bass isn't playing, there's going to be uh, just a low-lying buzz in the PA if you leave the bass turned up like you would want to in a live show. So to quickly fix that problem, just select the bass channel on the console, go to the noise gate, activate the noise gate, and then slowly dial the threshold up. You probably don't need to do much because all you're doing is getting rid of the noise. So you just keep turning it up until the gate activates and it should just mute the channel and get rid of the buzz. Then when the, then when the person starts playing bass, the signal is much, much stronger coming directly from the bass. So the gate will open and you'll hear the bass, you know, there won't be any sound difference. And then when they stop playing and mute their strings, then the gate will activate again and you can kind of fine tune where that spot is that will eliminate the, the buzzing and the noise, but still allow all of the bass notes to come through. So you're literally using it to gate noise and get rid of uh, sound that you don't want coming in, like some electronic kind of buzzing. Now, this can also be used uh, on a keyboard channel or really anything that you have plugged in that's creating some type of buzz or unwanted like low-lying sound, like a low-buzz noise floor from anything you have plugged in. You can just use a noise gate and get rid of it. So the next most common use of a noise gate is going to be on drums. So drums are kind of a tricky instrument and it can you know, sometimes it'd be hard to get a lot of power out of them without them mudding up everything. So for people that are newer mixing, it can be the most tricky in the sense that the drums kind of act as one whole instrument together because when you're hitting the drums and the drummer's playing, like uh, just in a song, all of the drums are resonating with each other and it kind of acts as one instrument, even though it's all individual uh, drums and individual components and you're going to have a bunch of mics on each one you're going to have close mics on the kick drum snare hi-hats toms like you know like i've described in other episodes but you have to be able to control all of the mics individually uh, with the kit resonating together so usually you're going to end up with some type of low-end feedback once you start really driving uh, the drum mics and you can get rid of that with a noise gate. Now, 
I'm just going to describe this, and this is like quick and dirty ways to fix stuff uh, when you're dealing with musicians you're not super used to or drum kits that aren't tuned very well. So ideally, you don't want to use a noise gate because you want the natural sound of the drums to be captured. So if you're someone that works with a band... Uh, on a regular basis or a drummer a certain drummer on a regular basis and the drum kit's tuned really well or the drum tech does a really good job of muting the toms naturally either with tape or other type of gels and tuning it properly you shouldn't get these frequencies that that need gating but even still depending on the genre if it's a really loud like rock style band which is you know stuff that i know a lot about and deal with a lot Using a noise gate for sure on the kick drum is a must. So for toms and kick drum, if you're checking them individually, you might not really run into that big of a problem. Um, but if you're leaving a lot of low end, for example, in floor toms and the kick drum because you want that power in the sub, um, you might not run into an issue. But then when they're playing the entire drum kit and the whole rest of the band kicks in, the drums are going to resonate that much more. And when the band stops, you might hear this low-lying rumbling sound, which is probably one of the drum mics just with some low-end feedback that won't go away. So you can try and fix it with EQ by finding the note that's resonating and trying to dip that with an EQ to kind of balance it out. But you might end up destroying the tone of the drum. So for sure with kick drum... I would put a gate on it um, and I would put a fairly strong gate so that, you know, a very, very light kick hit probably won't even open it up. It's going to need like a medium to hard uh, impact from the beater to open the gate. And that way I can leave the EQ with lots of bottom end and the noise gate will take care of all the low frequencies. So really what I'm trying to do is have it so every kick drum hit The amount of time it takes for the kick drum to sound is all I want uh, to come through the PA. So this is where you kind of get into the hold and release time or decay or whatever it's called on the gate that you're using. Um, But you want fast attack time and then you want, I don't want it to hold for very long, right? Like I, I don't want the gate to stay open. I only want it to stay open the length of the kick hit. So the hold is going to be quite short. And then I also want it to clamp down pretty quick. So I want the the gate to release quickly so that it closes down. It doesn't cl- close and it just goes doop, 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 doop off. Because kick, another kick drum is going to have sounded by then already. So you want the release to be quick. You just want it to, to clamp down in a, in a matter of a split second. So you really got to to fine-tune the hold and release so you're only getting the impact of the kick drum. And this is especially important on a kick-out mic because you're going to be driving a lot more low-end through it. Of course, you can use the same technique on floor toms, uh, middle toms, and high toms uh, just to keep the hits nice and tight and up in the mix if that's what you want, but not having them just bleed and, and ring the entire time. Again, ideally you don't really want to have to use gates, but you can use them to quickly fix uh, less than ideal drum tuning or drum performances. But I mean, sometimes the room you're in or the stage, uh, you know, could have like a, you know, a concrete or brick back wall, or you could have less than ideal stage acoustics. And then 
um, you can really use gating to also clean up uh, how it sounds in the monitors because if the drummer on stage has if you're in a bigger scenario where the drummer actually has a drum fill and has a sub and a top you're really going to need to hone in on that gate so that the drum sub isn't going to create low feedback uh, through the mics because the sub itself will resonate the the drum kit again on top of it resonating itself and then the same principle applies to other uh, percussion instruments like congas, hand drums, bongos, like those those types of instruments where you might not want that mic just open the whole time because maybe they don't play those instruments every minute of every song. So when they're not being hit, you probably don't want them just bleeding into your mix. There are a lot fancier ways to use gates, like having other sources trigger them, like using trigger modules on a drum kit with a second line to have more accurate uh, gate triggering, or you can side chain them to another instrument so something else triggers the gate. You can also use them to trigger sine waves on a kick drum uh, and hone in on some low end and have that routed to maybe a mix bus with a gate on it and and do all sorts of weird fancy stuff with with gating but generally what i'm trying to just get out there is that they exist and you can always know that they're there to use if you need them to to fix a problem another example i've used them for is when i have like more of a corporate setting and there's a podium mic and I don't really have necessarily like an extremely scheduled itinerary of exactly when people are going to be going up to talk. Um, and I don't want to be sitting there just staring at the mic the entire time or having to be at the soundboard the entire time because maybe I'm doing, I'm operating something else or I'm paying attention to something else. And I don't want the mic to just be on. I can put a very light gate on it. So when nobody's near it, the gate will be on. And as soon as somebody basically walks up to it and starts talking, uh, their voice is loud enough to open the gate. But then when nothing else is going on around it and somebody walks away from the mic, then the gate just slowly clamps down and then keeps the mic off so that I can't have random feedback when uh, I'm not paying attention to it. Now, I'm not saying it's a good idea to use a gate so that you don't have to pay attention to it. It's more of just a backup plan to keep everything stable for an event. So I feel like I could certainly dive in and talk more about specific settings and stuff like that, but it's really not that important to me at the moment. I just wanted to share simple ways that I use noise gates. So I wanted to move on to using headphones for live mixing should you use headphones for live mixing or when should you what type should you uh i'm not going to tell you i'm just gonna i'm just gonna share what i've started using them for so i never used to use them until i figured out ways that they can be useful uh sometimes i would see guys wearing headphones a lot during a, a, a show and i'm like what exactly are you listening to on those because like the shows out here and like you know on the pa and for the audience like so i i didn't really know why some some guys overuse them and that kind of drove me to be like oh 
I don't need to use headphones. I just, you know, mix with my ears. But, you know, they can definitely be really useful in lots of scenarios. So I've never looked up tips on this or anything. I'm just going to tell you ways that I've found them to be useful. So I choose to use like in-ear buds like the Shure in-ears or any other type that can block out the room sound instead of over-the-ear headphones, uh, which I often have to squeeze onto my ears to hear clearly with the, you know, with the phone's level on the desk maxed out. It's still too quiet when I solo or, or cue a channel. And that's with like, you know, a nice pair of, of over-the-ear headphones. So I usually just carry my earbuds just on my belt and then I can use them anytime I need to quickly listen. So the first thing they're good for is when I'm in sound check, I can quickly listen to each mic using the solo or cue button on the channel to hear if the signal from the mic or instrument is clear. So I mean, it can be a really quick like 10 seconds, just have a quick listen, make sure it's clear, and then take them out and continue doing your line check or sound check. Even you can check after you're almost done sound check when the band's playing, you can just put them in and quickly solo through each instrument and double check that they it is in fact coming in clear and you're not going to have any weird noises that you could be fixing right there before the show. Uh, the headphones can tell you that pretty easily. Like, this is important to do in a room that you're not used to. Like, in my house gig, I often make it through whole shows without using my headphones at all because I know the room and how the speakers sound. So if it sounds normal and I'm cool with it, I don't even bother checking. But that's probably just from overconfidence. Like, it's it's still a good practice to just quickly check your lines on your headphones. So the second main reason... Uh, for using headphones and live mixing is for doing any ear mixes on the fly. So when I'm in my house gig or doing monitors at a festival, having my headphones is like having your own listen wedge, like just so you can have all you have to do is quick plug in your headphones and you've got monitoring. You don't have to have a listen wedge and amp and all that set up to be able to hear from your position. So this is coming pretty handy when I'm in a situation where I don't have that much advanced information and then a band shows up with like an in-ear rack uh, to use for monitoring and I have to quickly build like four in-ear mixes uh, from a front of house position and get a front of house mix going with good with good levels for the show in a matter of maybe 15 20 minutes uh, before the doors open if i didn't have my headphones you know i would end up taking way longer to set their mixes because i would just be guessing on fader positions and and relative like build one person's mix and then double check the fader positions and then just kind of guess levels uh, with having the headphones i can actually build the mix and I can guess what is going to sound good. Even if I'm not using the same wireless pack and I don't have the exact same level, I can still get a sense of a relative level of, of how much instrument they want based on a fader position. And I have an ear reference with my headphones. Then I can create a mix based on a single reference point. And I can create that pretty quickly because I roughly know what I would want to hear if I was on stage. And then they can do uh, quick corrections and I could get the mix right the first or second try instead of just just guessing the whole time 
And this can happen often. Like maybe two band members show up and they're, or sorry, maybe there's like a whole band, but two of the band members are using the wedges that you've set up and the other two bring IEMs, like in-ear monitors, and you have to mix both wedges and in-ears at the same time uh, and, and get it right fairly quickly, then you want to have your, you know, you can have one ear in and so you can still quickly set it and make sure that they're actually sending to the correct mix buses and stuff like that. Uh, because when it, it's it's kind of nerve wracking to to build an ear mix without listening, um, because you have to pull the faders up really slowly to make sure, because you have no idea how loud it's going to go right into their ears, and you don't want to damage their ears uh, or have them have like a really bad experience uh, right before they have to play a show. So you know, if you have headphones, you can make sure it's not too loud for them, and that's. That's another thing is just the safety of the of the person on stage. You can make sure it's not too loud because you have a reference point. So the third place it can come in handy is, I mean, it's basically the same as the first two. But if you're in a monitor position and even if you're not mixing uh, in-ears for the band, you can still listen to the mix throughout the show and double check each line uh, and you're almost like a second set of ears where you can hone in on each signal and make sure it's st- uh, continuing to be clear throughout the entire show. So an example of that is uh, at my house gig, I was doing monitors for Finger 11, and they had their own ear rig uh, that the band controlled, but all of them also had backup wedges. So I was doing monitoring for the wedges, and that was like the support for their ears. Plus, if a band member takes out uh, their in-ears, then the wedge is still right there uh, with a mix going so they can keep playing and hear themselves. So even though I was only mixing wedges, I was still listening through each channel with my headphones to make sure each channel was working nice and clear throughout the show. Um, it turned out that the guitar player's... Yeah, so the, the, the guitar player's pedal wasn't working right. And he actually has this convoluted guitar pedal setup that runs two microphones so one microphone uh vocal microphone uh one microphone is just dry like to front of house and the second vocal microphone loops through his guitars so he can put all these different effects on it and for some reason the guitar pedal wasn't working right and there was a clean di signal from his guitar bleeding into the uh affected vocal mic and then going to front of house. So if he had the, the vocal mic open at front of house, which he probably did, there'd be just a clean guitar clanking through uh, all of that. So I have, you know, I had to keep a tight ear on that. And in the first song, like I had to keep letting the guitar tech know, oh yeah, oh the DI signal is coming through his vocal mic again. And he'd like, you know, slide up on stage and try and jostle the knob and fix the pedal. And I know this happened probably 10 or 15 times in the first three songs. So like every 20 seconds he was going back up to try and fix it. And I mean, it basically started working right and held out for the rest of the show at some point, or he like managed to like get the knob to like hold all the way or something. I don't know exactly, but if I wasn't listening, um, if I wasn't listening into that, you know, they, that could have, there could be weird noise going on and they could have, you know, problems in the front of house mix 
and the guitar tone might not sound right for a while because it's really loud and it's hard to hear properly. So just having me there with my headphones, even though I wasn't mixing in-ears, I was able, you know, to to clean up the sound for the band. Um, so that was that was pretty helpful. Also, you know, once the show is going and the band is pretty happy, which usually, you know, the first three or four songs of a set say a headlining band plays a 70 minute set or something like that, uh, then I can plug my headphones into the board and create my own mix for myself. And I can listen to the show through my headphones. Like it's a pretty fun personal experience to watch a live show side stage with your own headphone mix. Plus I can clearly hear and monitor all the channels at the same time and make sure nothing weird is happening during the show while I'm just enjoying listening to the show um doesn't matter what genre it is like if you can mix your own show uh you know it's it's pretty fun and then i also like using the earbuds just uh because they block out the room sound they're basically just earplugs so the 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 earbud style of headphone basically just works as uh hearing protection as well and if you're not mixing, you can throw them in and you don't have to, you know, have your, have your ears, you know, go through a loud show or you just, you just, you know, maybe you have a headache and you just want to put your headphones in and listen to stand up comedy while somebody else mixes a show, then, you know, whatever, whatever you want to do, you can, if you have headphones, you can, you can make it happen. Well, I probably don't recommend that, but that's the power of the headphone. Anyway, that's, <laughs> anyway, that's the, some of the basic ways and mainly the only ways, I guess I use, uh, I use headphones for, for live shows. That's it for this week. Uh, don't forget you can, uh, drop a comment on the Facebook group. There's the sound guy tips, Facebook group, uh, where we just, you know, we can discuss the, the, the topic of the episode or, or anything, you know, let me know anything extra you want me to make a new episode about. That would be awesome. And you can always check out soundguytips.com where you can you can listen to all the episodes. There's a little player in there. So I hope you guys have a good week. I'll see you next time.